You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. As hunters and bird watchers well know, weather has a large influence on waterfowl migration, but the details of this relationship remain heavily discussed and debated. Today, we welcome Dr. Mike Schumer, a leading authority in this field, to help us understand. Dr. Schumer is the Roosevelt Waterfowl Ecologist at the State University of New York, College of Environmental Science and Forestry. Mike, welcome into the show. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate the opportunities to talk to folks. Yeah, it's great to have you. And so I want to start out by giving you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your background, your your personal uh, path, your your professional career, and uh, where you are now, and how you became interested in this uh, in this topic. I know you've described yourself as sort of a closet meteorologist. I think you've probably <laughs> you're more than that at this point. So so go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself and your work. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's you know like all these uh, professional development things. It's been a, a a long journey, right? And a lot of it comes from growing up in a very rural community in Western New York, um, in a, in a hunting and fishing and farming kind of family. Um, just really kept with that theme, you know, throughout, throughout much of my life as, as a, as a duck hunter and as a scientist and, and as an educator. Um, my background is really in forestry for my undergraduate degree. And then I went on to do some school in Missouri, uh, which was a wildlife degree. And then my doctorate in Ontario and Canada, so done a bit of traveling on that end of things, and as most waterfall biologists, I think, should, um, to understand birds at both ends of the spectrum from breeding, you know, through migration and then on their wintering areas. Um, and that's, that's what really got me pretty keen on 
um, on duck migration, right, is is just trying to uh, understand what the underlying mechanisms of that of that were. And for my both, both just from a science standpoint, but also personally, um, as a hunter, it's I think people check their phones two, three times a day during duck season, right? right? It's it's a really common thing. And I just wanted to put some science. Yeah, well, before we had our phones, we were camped out in front of the TV at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock every night to see <laughs> what those graphics were going to show on the – to see where that cold front was going to be draped across the continent, right? That's what we used to do. Yeah, and that's changed. It's The, the, the technology now is, is amazing. Um, what I have at my fingertips to work with is far beyond what we had – you know, just 20 years ago. Um, and I think it's, I think that's what makes it interesting is that we're starting to be able to tease apart some of these, uh, relationships between birds and, and the weather. Yeah. Well, before we get into some of those de- details, maybe just, uh, ha- have you been able to get out and, uh, start hunting yet? Yeah, we've had a, uh, we had a pretty slow start to our season here in central New York is where we're located now. Um, for folks that aren't familiar uh, with this part of the world where, you know, just south of Ontario and Quebec. So as birds make their first movements, we, they pile up on us pretty, pretty quickly. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a hidden gem really for waterfowling. I mean, we hunt, we hunt birds from the first of September, um, pretty much right through till about the first week of January, because we got a lot of deep water mm-hmm. habitat and such, um, in various, various seasons. But, you know, we had a really late spring, um, I think we had a lot of failed nesting attempts um, early on, and we were catching um, ducklings that we couldn't even put bands on in the Adirondacks, um, like mid-August, wow. right? So, yeah. And so there, I think there were a lot of birds that um, took a while to mature. And, you know, because a lot of these ducks, um, when they when they get big enough to fly, the, the first initial movements aren't always about the weather. They'll move. Um, they'll move based on, they're just not going to stay in Canada, right? Yeah. They're not going to stay in the Ottawa River, River Valley. So they make those movements. And so we get a bunch of these hatchier birds, these young birds that show up um, August, September. But we didn't really get that this year. And so we've had early migrants. Um, I've been getting into widgeon, um, gadwall, more green-winged teal than normal. Um, our, our mallard limit in the east is, is it two birds and not four? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hurt me. That's hurt me on several occasions where I come out with four ducks or five ducks, um, usually getting my two mallards each time, but then just not filling the bag out, you know, otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but it's been good. It's been good. We've, we've gotten out a bunch of dogs. We've gotten some running. You know, that's a good, can't yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, our season has not opened yet, so I'm looking forward to that and, uh, looking forward to, to getting back to some of the places I grew up hunting now. I'm in Memphis and a little bit closer to where, where I grew up. So, so I really am looking forward to that this year, especially since I missed all of last duck season with a little, um, little health Certainly. issue. So anyway, I'm beyond that now. And so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about weather. Uh, uh, invariably, you and I have found ourselves in conversations with duck hunters or duck biologists, and we talk about these weather variables and how it's, uh, it's going to get cold or there's, it's going to snow, and uh, we can anticipate bird movements in response to that. And a lot of times I found myself in those conversations, and we're only talking about one variable. You know, it's like, well, what's the effect of mm-hmm. this temperature and what's the effect of snow? And, and the, you, you and what we're going to talk about here is, is an index that you and colleagues developed called a weather severity index. And the, what I find so valuable about this index is you were actually able to, 
to, I, I think, quantify that what we suspected uh, and maybe what some early researchers had, had, uh, had opined that it's not any single meteorological variable. It's the combination of these variables that are really going to have an impact on what moves birds. And so the, the ability to quantify that is really, really fascinating because it opens a tremendous number of doors. So tell us a little bit, take us back to, I guess it would have been, I know the publication came out in 2010, but take us back to uh, the late 2000s when you were at Mississippi State working on this idea and, and uh, sort of walk us through briefly what, what you all did and what you came up with. Yeah, this this was a really fun project. Um, it it developed organically, right? There, this this was when I was, um, w- as you noted, working at Mississippi State uh, with Rick Kaminsky, um, and we just started to talk about potential projects that were of interest to waterfall hunters, um, waterfall and wetland conservationists, and managers. And this one really boiled to the top right away. Um, and I had always had a, a strong interest in. And it was kind of an armchair meteorologist, right? And strong interest in weather. And so, you know, Rick sent me off and said, you know, we'll go work up some numbers. And I, you know, we had to get the waterfall survey data, um, first of all. So we worked with uh, Missouri Department of Conservation, who has some really solid aerial and ground survey for over the years. Um, And then selected weather stations that were near um, that, you know, near those conservation areas. And started to look at what, you know, what are the combinations of different types of temperature and snow cover and um, wind direction. We looked at moon phases. We did sunspots. I mean, we looked at a whole gamut of things that didn't end up anywhere near um, predicting duck migration. But what's neat about it is, yeah, it, it, it came out to be, you know, this, this combined effect of, of temperature and snow. Um, that was really doing the best job of, of predicting the, the birds' movements. And that's that makes sense. Um, we were really focused on mallards mostly. And a lot of that was, and Rick had written an article that said, you know, where, where have all the mallards gone? Um, a popular article. And those were, that right before I got there were a few years that the, you know, hunters were seeing, like, either birds weren't showing up until late or there just weren't many of them despite despite that the, those birds did exist somewhere in the country. yeah and so mike remind me specifically the of the of the variables that feed into this it's because it's not just temperature on a given day right it's right. like uh it, it measures cumulative days of some degree right yeah so it is the temperature on that day so there's the direct effects of weather right on a bird on that day to the, for its decision to either stay at a location or migrate so it's how cold it is on that day, how many days in a row it's been below freezing, um, if, if there, you know, how much snow is on the ground that would interfere with, say, field feeding and things like that for, for uh, field feeding mallards. And then how many days in a row has there been measurable snow on the ground? And this all makes sense because you have this effect of, um, you know, energy, the cost of just existing in a place that's cold and snowy. Um, and then the capacity to actually acquire food to, to really maintain your, your body temperature, right? So it, it, the cumulative temperature effect is the icing effect of wetlands. The cumulative snow is obviously just makes it more difficult for, for birds to find grains in, in fields. So, and we explain, I, and we explain close to, you know, this is a little in the weeds, but we, we have one number that explains close to 50% of the variation. Um, in changes in duck abundance between any two days uh, with a single number, which, which given all the other variables that are out there is astonishing. 
perfectly good. Well, that's right. In, in a natural system, if you can explain 50% of the variation in some phenomenon that you're observing, you've uh, you, you found something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we've got the weather severity index uh, calculated here. The next thing was to apply that uh, to apply that to sort of a, you know, forecasting, if you will. Uh, you were able to do the work, mm-hmm. you linked this to the observed change in, in duck numbers, and, and so now you want to take this forward and, uh, and see if we can make some projections about what we might expect you know, during a, a forthcoming week based on weather forecast. So uh, explain to us uh, what, you, what you all did in that regard. Yeah, so and this is the part I really like, and you know, there, there's this isn't all just high science and stuff. This was just interest by myself, you know, with a with an increasingly busier schedule. Um, you know, what days could I go when there was a greatest likelihood of, of of bird migration, right? So, you know, we we find this relationship, and after this this threshold of severity of weather, we start to see um, declines in birds at a given location, right? And the the, wor- the the greater that weather severity index or WSI becomes, um, the greater number of birds will be leaving that location. You know, between between two dates, um, and so you know that's that's really how we how we apply it at the you know high level scale is is our you know have our birds not even making any movements, um, and then there's a period when there's peak increases in ducks at a location and um those those get scored as you know we we color code it for what's online now um and then and then everything after that is is you know decreasing numbers of birds that's the easiest way to do it um to to express it to folks because it it depends i mean if you're at a location that's holding you know 250,000 mallards per you know for instance compared to a place that's holding a thousand um you're gonna have a lot bigger um, movement of birds, obviously, right out of that, out of that one that has say 250,000 birds. So, um, it had to be scaled to, it basically is relativized, right. Um, saying that, you know, this, this much change, uh, in abundance is going to happen between two times. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. 
The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. Yeah, and so the other thing that, that you, you've done now, and you briefly referenced this, Mike, is you've taken those relationships and you calculate or you, you generate weekly migration forecasts for the Mississippi and Atlantic flyways uh, based on forecasted uh, weather, matching this weather severity index, across a number of locations uh, in the northern and mid-latitudes of, uh, of basically eastern North America. And we're going to get into that on a subsequent podcast. Podcast, We're going to have you back to talk about uh, one of those weeks in particular, you know, just to give folks some exposure to that and how it, um, how it works, if you will. Uh, so, so thanks for thanks for that that explanation. What I want to do also is go back a little bit to one of the variables that you tested in your original weather severity index analysis. It's it's also uh, featured many times in conversations with people when talking about what causes birds to move, and that's photo period. I went back to your original article this morning as I was preparing for this and reminded myself that you in fact did. Uh, include photo period among the variables you looked at. Uh, can do you? Uh, I know I might be catching you off the cuff here on this, but do you remember? Do you remember what you? Uh, uh, how that fell out? Yeah, um, I, it was. It was. It did not do as good of a job at explaining the um, movement of birds as weather. But here in the the, the details in this are are important. Um, as photo period gets shorter, right, as we move towards December, our weather is also getting generally getting worse, right, more severe. And so it's not that photo period doesn't cause birds to make movements. It's just that in addition, the effects of weather do a better job of explaining migration, right? So in no way are we saying that it's not affected by photo period. In fact, if we go back to my, my, you know, when, when you asked about my hunting season and talking about these initial bird movements, when they're leaving those, those breeding ground areas, those are, those are photo period cues, right? Um, and the, that's, that's called, uh, you know, a fixed migration. And then thereafter, the weather uh, and the accumulation of severe weather, once they're at these first staging areas, and in the Atlantic flyway, that a lot of these birds move into the Great Lakes region and hang out in those marshes until the weather becomes severe enough and then move. So, some of those initial uh, movements are, are photo, period, photo period based or, you know, how many daylight hours there are. But then later on, they become increasingly flexible. And that's that's really affected by the weather. Species differ a little bit in their responsiveness to photo period as a as a stimuli for migration, right? Yeah, they do. And the one that the one that when we expanded this beyond mallards and we had a graduate student um, at Western University in Ontario, um, work across all of the dabbling duck species. Um, she found that blue-winged teal, what best explained blue-winged teal migration was photo period, which makes perfect sense because they act like a neotropical migrant, right? They act like a, like a, um, like a scarlet tanager or something that isn't going to stay, it, it, it is not going to stay in its breeding area. And it's going to a very stable environment um, in the, in the tropics and subtropics. So once it's done its thing and it's in condition, it just goes and it's, it's very photo period based. Now, 
saying that, we have actually, there must be some flexibility in it still because it does seem like we're getting more and more reports of blueing teal staying late and especially, you know, along uh, coastal areas, Louisiana folks are talking a lot about bluings that are hanging around uh, quite a long time. So there is some, even they have some flexibility. Yeah. And so a perfect transition to where I wanted to go next, you referenced the fact that you, we started with mallards, this, this severity index was uh, began with mallards, and then you you collaborated with some additional researchers to develop this uh, index for, is it, was it six additional additional species? Do I have that right? It's, uh, so mallards, black ducks, which which essentially are, are pretty much the same model. They, they react very similarly. Um, gadwall, widgeon, uh, green-winged teal. Shovelers. And, shovelers. and we did blue-winged teal, but the, the weather isn't really the predictor, so we don't okay. even do anything with them, right? Yeah. Um, there's there's dates that seem to be like kind of fixed dates, which are, have the greatest likelihood they would migrate. So, uh, And no divers so far in this analysis, right? No, we'd like to really move into um, geese and diving ducks. Um, I think we're going to have the opportunity to do that in the near future. It's, it's literally about um, you know, bodies, data, and 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 funding to run graduate students through. Um, the methodology is pretty much there. So we haven't we haven't touched divers yet. You know, the the one that everybody talks about is that first full moon in October, um, the scop move on, right? And that one is consistent. Boy, it's really really consistent. Um, and then thereafter, it's they seem to trickle down the flyway afterwards. So that's going to be an interesting one to get into working with moon phases, I think, with diving ducks, because um, I think there may be some real relationship there. Yeah. Well, Mike, kudos to you and your colleagues for taking this conversation uh, that, we, that we've that we all been part of so many times and putting numbers to it. And putting numbers to it allows us to do so many things going forward. Uh, and I want to I wanna give you an opportunity to reference this uh, briefly. I, we, uh, as you and I discussed before we came on the podcast, we don't want to go into too many details on this because we want to save time to bring you back and discuss each of these items in more detail. But this is more than just academic, uh, the development of this, uh, of this index, because it allows us to think about how, um, how uh, changes, if you will, in, uh, in, in migration phenology – uh, may may impact our conservation planning. It may impact our efforts to recruit uh, recruit hunters and supporters of of waterfowl and wetlands conservation. So, I'll give you a few minutes here to talk about uh, just briefly the importance of this to those to those items. Yeah, I think that's the really where the rubber hits the road on this. Right, is how do we translate this into information that's usable for waterfowl and wetlands conservation? Um, immediately and, and into the future, right? Um, you know, for instance, on our really mild years, um, we, we have up to 2 million ducks that we estimate are able to stay at mid-latitude locations that, that don't have to go to, to southern latitudes. And southern, southern waterfall hunters have, have seen those painful years, right? Um, that's, that's 2 million birds that you need to feed. Um, and, and we need those, those uh, you know, the the, we you, we figure how much energy each one of those animals needs, and, and we can get to the point where we understand how many how many acres are actually needed to feed those animals. And then on the real severe years, when all of them move, you know, the millions of birds move south, we need to make sure that we have those acres on the ground too. Um, so understanding the distribution, I mean, these are these are pretty good sized animals. There's lots of them. They have high energy needs, and they feed from you know deep water areas to terrestrial habitats. So 
they have a real impact on on their environment and our uh the habitat we put on the ground has a real strong impact on them so i think that's the most the most useful tool is is understanding where these birds are going to be and and when having spent the last or the first 13 years of my career as someone who was uh, was partner was 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 responsible for conservation planning um in cooperation with a lot of partners along the Gulf Coast, we used these models to sort of project where we thought birds were going to be or how many birds we thought we would have in our planning region. And we treated them as sort of static numbers. We, but we knew, bird, we knew that number varied from year to year. But our conservation planning was based on some sort of static treatment of those, uh, of those objectives. So the information that you've developed, the models you've developed, give us a, um, a, a numerical way to start thinking about that. Uh, and I'm, that's pretty exciting from a conservation planning standpoint. And so the other thing that you've done with this, we've referenced a couple of times, and that will be of probably immediate interest to hunters and uh, on an annual basis, on a weekly basis within, within our hunting seasons, is you, uh, you have a weekly migration forecast for the eastern, um, for, the, for east, the Mississippi and Atlantic flyways, basically the eastern North America, uh, eastern U.S. So where can people find out more information about the work you've done in these uh, this forecast. The easiest way to find it without me, you know, spelling out what the web page is, is if you just type Schumer, that's S-C-H-U-M-M-E-R, um, two M's, and uh, so Schumer duck migration, it's the second, and in, in Google, it's the second um, page that comes up. It's right under the, the Ducks Unlimited migration forecast on Google, and it'll show, show right up there. Thanks so much, Mike, for your time. Thanks so much for the science that you brought to this conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks again to our guest today, Dr. Mike Schumer. We uh, look forward to having him back on the podcast. I also want to thank our producer, Clay Baird, and thanks to each of you for supporting Ducks Unlimited. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here.
We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation, united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside.